The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hello and welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ryland Sliles, and as always, Grant Tuttle, how are you doing today? I am, well, kind of bored with this free agency period at the moment. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty hot, so I think that, that might be a little bit sarcastic, but we do have a ton to talk about, which brings us to our tagline, which is... Oh, of course, the we're going to bring you the Chiefs, <laughs> the AFC West, and the rest. And the AFC West and the Chiefs were very, very active this week. Uh, starting out with the Chiefs, the first news that broke, and it still, does it count as news yet, Grant? Because we don't really know too much just yet, but we know Tyreek Hill and the Chiefs are working on a contract, and it seems like it's going to get done this off season, which is good. It prevents the holdouts and, and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. But what... You know, I think we both were very excited when we first heard that Terry Kale was going to get a contract. Yeah, I think the sooner you get a guy like that under contract, the better. Um, I think that he's only going to get better as Patrick Mahomes gets better. Uh, he's a guy that gets a lot of rushing yards, or rushing yards, receiving yards. Uh, so well, and rushing yards. Yeah, he'll get a few of those. But uh, he's a guy that's, that benefits from a strong-arm quarterback, and I think that uh, he's only going to get better. So the sooner you sign him, the cheaper he'll be in the long run. Yeah, that's true. And a lot of the questions surrounding this contract, we can't answer yet without him actually having a contract. But we know it's going to be a big one. It's It's been talked that it's going to be one of the biggest in wide receiver uh, history. And we'll talk about another wide receiver that got paid uh, this week later on. But what would this mean for Sammy Watkins? Because no matter what the deal is, it's going to take up a good chunk of cap. And as we talked about on the first episode, Sammy Watkins uh, is kind of pricey. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that there's a definite chance that we only see part of uh, Sammy Watkins contract played out. Um, he's a, he's a very good piece, obviously. Uh, but I think that probably Brett Veach had in his mind that this was the Super Bowl window and signed him for that window, particularly. Uh, I could see him getting released, not probably after this year, but the uh, following year. So uh, I don't think he'll play out his whole four-year contract. And really the last thing that we can answer or discuss right now without knowing the specific the specifics of the contract are, you know, should the Chiefs look to draft a wide receiver this year or next year and, you know, kind of get another option on the cheap to where you're not paying him any money. You're not bringing in a, a guy like Sammy Watkins and you're also not having to pay a guy like Tyreek Hill. You're back on that rookie kind of scale uh, for guys or should they just write it out? Because I think you and I both believe that Mahomes can make any wide receiver look good for the most part. Yeah, uh, I think that it's definitely in their plans. This seems like a pretty deep wide receiver class as far as there's a lot of guys that um, have high ceilings, especially in that second and third rounds, in the second and third rounds, where um, I think you could find a, a smaller, really quick slot guy like Andy Isabella. He's a guy that I, I would be interested in seeing the Chiefs bring in just because he would just 
add more speed to an already speedy and dangerous offense. Um, I think there's some bigger body guys like Hakeem Butler. Now I think he's going to probably go closer in the first round, um, closer to the first round, if not in the first round. Um, But there's a lot of guys that are built um, as big receivers that the Chiefs could be interested in going forward as their kind of possession receiver, which I think um, is Sammy Watkins' role at the moment. Yeah, and, you know, just real quick, I know we have a lot to get to, but the last thing on this topic, again, before we know the specifics of the contract, would if I think we're both pretty high on uh, Marquise uh, Goodwin and, uh, and uh, excuse me, Marquise Brown and um, DeAndre Baker in this draft. If they're both available at the Chiefs pick without them trading up, without them trading back, without them doing anything, they're both there. you got a cornerback and a wide receiver. Who would you go with? Uh, I would definitely go corner at the moment because I think in the Super Bowl window it's a it's a bigger need. Um, a third receiver is a luxury. It's a really nice thing to have. Um, I, I think that they that they would instantly have an even better offense if they were to do that. But I think that it makes more sense to try to get a cornerback for not only now but the future, a guy that can be a shutdown corner on one of the sides of the field. Yeah, and I think that you're absolutely right. I agree with uh, everything you just said. I just think that there's some people out there who, you know, think that the Chiefs should just form this, uh, you know, this video game like offense even more so. But I think that the Chiefs can do that with a guy like you know Demarcus Robinson or someone like that because they have, because they have Patrick Mahomes, they can afford to not have that great number three wide receiver. Uh, I'll go back to what we talked about the last time I was on the show with you. Of course, you did a show uh, this weekend doing the mock draft scene and everything. But we talked about Deshaun Jackson and the and his time with Washington. I mean, it took Kirk Cousins to have him, Garcon, and Crowder to look like a, comp- a competent quarterback. Yeah. And that's not going to be the case for Mahomes. It's going to be great for him to have Hill, but he can make pretty much anyone look serviceable, and he'll he'll feed them the rock and It'll be a good day. It's always good whenever you have Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. Yeah, I would argue that he actually made uh, Albert Wilson a a richer wide receiver uh, in that last game against Denver when uh, when Mahomes was a rookie. I I think that he targeted Albert Wilson like 12 or 13 times, um, and it just looked like Wilson was unstoppable, but uh, that's just because we weren't used to a quarterback that would throw down the field like that and uh, free up receivers. And so he even made Demetrius Harris uh, look like a solid tight end. Um, so I, I think that that's definitely, that's definitely true. I think you've seen that with, good, with great quarterbacks in the past. Tom Brady seems to get it done with Julian Edelman, who's a solid receiver, mind you, but I don't think that he's in the same tier as like a Tyreek Hill or Antonio Brown. Uh, I think he's probably a tier or two below um, so I think that is an, that is something to definitely keep in mind going forward um, into the Chiefs' window of the Super Bowl and beyond. Yeah, and to your point about Harris, I mean, I've seen reporters on Twitter, you know, uh, who are just specific to their team and, and might not really cover or, or intake the entire NFL, who just look at Harris this year with Mahomes, and even with the drop concerns he did still have this year, if you watch the Chiefs closely, they think that he performed well enough to get a massive payday, and I think a team could overpay for Harris because of how good Mahomes was, whereas if he was a free agent a year earlier and didn't get to play a whole season with Mahomes, and you just got to see what he did with Alex smith there's no way he's making uh any you know substantive money uh whatsoever yeah, uh, but i definitely agree with that 
but again, you know, the tar- back to the Tyreek Hill thing, it's, it's pretty much covered to this point. You know, we went like seven minutes on it and there's not really any details yet. We'll talk about that again once we finally know how many years it is, how much money it is, when they can get out of it, if they would ever want to get out of it and things like that. But one move that's official, uh, well, not quite official yet, but one move that we know is going to happen is that the Chiefs have signed Carlos Hyde to a one-year $2.8 million contract. What do you think about that? I like it. Uh, I think that it fits a fits a need. I wrote an article over at Arrowhead Addict um, where I, I detailed what he does well that balances with Damian uh, Williams. He is more of a power back. He's a guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's another really good blocker. It's it's definitely a Brett Veach kind of guy. He likes those big body running backs that that can do everything. Um, Hyde is. Uh, a like I said, a power back. Um, he, but he has benefited off of um, the shotgun formation. Uh, his his career splits are c- incredibly different out of the shotgun. He has a his he has like a three point seven uh, yards per carry in like a single back formation, uh, where he's he's the lone guy and the quarterback's under center. Whereas in shotgun, he's a he's at a four point seven yards per carry. Um, uh, split. So I think that, especially in a Chiefs high power shotgun offense, where they ran shotgun formation about eighty percent of the year last year, he makes a lot of sense. Uh, I, I think that this also makes it so you don't have to address running back at all if you don't feel like your guy is there in the draft, but you still can. It gives you that flexibility because it's a one year deal. So I think for that reason alone, it makes a lot of sense. Plus. The, the the only thing that's guaranteed is $1.6 million, and that's – I had a guy tell me that that was expensive for your number two back, but when you're doing a running back by committee, it's really not that expensive. Yeah, I don't think that there's any reason to raise an eyebrow or be upset about a one-year contract. I think that the risk far – I mean, the, excuse me, the reward far outweighs the risk of whatever risk you think that there might be with Carlos Hyde. I think that he's going to prove to be – uh, worth it or not a detriment to the team. What does this mean for Spencer Ware, do you think? Do you think that he's just for sure out the door, no way they're going to bring him back? Yeah, I think that there was a uh, there was definitely uh, a report out there that Spencer Ware's market was going to be too rich for the Chiefs' liking. Um, and I think that that has merit. I think that, I think that Ware is a solid running back um, who's shown that when healthy he can be a very – very much electric uh, player. So I definitely think that that's probably true, that, that Ware was commanding too much for the Chiefs' liking. And so, yeah, I think they're going to move on from him. Yeah, I do I do as well. I, I think that, you know, Spencer Ware's time in Kansas City is done, and hopefully he does get uh, a, a good chunk of money somewhere because, you know, he deserves it from coming back from injury uh, and everything that he's done in his career. Uh, moving on now, the Chiefs intend to keep Eric Berry from uh, a, a Peter King report, and Peter King's one of the most respected and knowledgeable uh, football minds out there in the NFL media. So this seems like it's official. Eric Berry will remain a Chief after we mourned him in Episode 1 and, and thought he was for sure a goner. What kind of struck you about Eric Berry staying as a member of the Chiefs and in no way getting cut, according to this report? Uh, you know, I think that with... What what has been happening over the last season? It's it's kind of odd to know what's going on with Eric Berry because nobody really does. Um, but when I I listen to um, almost entirely sports, uh, Josh Briscoe's radio show 
on 810, and he was talking to Nate Taylor, who said that Clark Hunt loves Eric Berry. And he inferred that maybe this was more of a Clark Hunt decision than the rest of the team. Maybe it was. Maybe it's Clark Hunt that wants to keep him around for um, various reasons. So, if that's the case, it makes sense because whatever the owner wants, the owner gets. Uh, so, I, I I can't say one way or the other whether I'm happy or not. I mean, obviously, if he's at his full strength, if he's at full health, it makes a ton of sense for them to hold on to him if he's an all-pro player. But with that bone spur and that then the lack of surgery this offseason, I just I don't know what to think. What do you think? Well, you know, going back to your, your first point about uh, listening to Josh's show and everything, I think that that's kind of the feeling that, you know, Clark Hunt holds and, and the fan base holds as well. I mean, there's there's some fans who are rejoicing at this. And, you know, I love Eric Berry as a human. You know, I love his story, his background, where he comes from, how hard he works, and, and all the things he does that are intangible off the field and even on the field. But when you're just looking at a football player, it doesn't make any sense for him to remain on the roster, especially just because you like the guy. It's it's football. It's a business both ways. Player, we saw that with Antonio Brown and team. You know, we, we should see that with Eric Berry getting cut. We won't. But, you know, I just I think it's odd to have him eating up this much of the cap, uh, especially whenever you see what the cap can look like if you cut him post June 1st for a guy who who maybe will play four games. You can probably bank on him playing four games. Outside of that, I don't know. What if he doesn't play any games, which is a very high probability? I'd say that there's more likely he plays zero games than it is he plays 10 or more games or even eight or more games. So I just don't see the reason to keep him outside of being the rah-rah guy who everyone still listens to even though he doesn't play uh, that often, which is is a valuable asset to have. But it's kind of like the Thunder with Nick Collison who, you know, Jayhawk fans will know because of his time at KU, Nick Collison was basically, for the last three years of his career, another coach. And they paid him NBA money, although it was the vet minimum. You can get away with that if you're paying someone the vet minimum, and it's a sport like basketball where you don't need every single guy on your roster. You can't get away with that in football whenever he's taking up so much money. And I, I just think that it's hard for people to say that, admit that, or even come to terms with that. But it's the truth, and, and to see that they're going to keep Eric Berry is very discouraging on one hand, but on the other hand, this has typically been a well-run organization. This isn't the Washington Redskins. This isn't the Oakland Raiders. So if they feel comfortable enough to bring him back and pay him that money, they must think that they finally have it figured out, the injuries uh, or whatever is happening with, what happening with him and his body. They think that they finally have it figured out if they're going to keep him and pay him this money, I think. But it is, on the surface, discouraging. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's that's warranted and fair. Um, I will also note that he, he is no longer the highest-paid safety. Uh, Landon Collins took that, and I expect Earl Thomas to probably even surpass uh, – Earl Thomas to pass uh, Landon Collins for his uh, for that highest paid safety. Uh, they have reset the market despite a down year last year. The safety position is back to being um, back to being one that is well paid. Um, so that that Eric Berry contract doesn't look as bad if he's playing. If he's playing at a high level, it definitely is. I think okay if he's playing if he's playing at uh, that top five safety like he like he was before injury, before everything that, that came along with it. 
Uh, I think that it makes us it makes sense if you pair him with a with a rangy free safety. If you have him playing in the box, I think he makes a lot of sense. Um, that being said, I think the Chiefs are going to have to do something with with somebody in the back as a free safety because I don't think Eric Berry is going to be able to have the speed to um, play that position anymore. At least not as well as he once did. Yeah, I don't think that you know his contract would be as bad if he could even play, uh, much less if he played it. If he played it at, a, at the level that he's capable of and he has played in the past, sure, the contract is is fine. It's it's even good. And now, as you mentioned, the market's resetting, even valuable, which is something strange to say. But I'm just not sure if I can buy into him coming back and playing, much less playing at a top five level uh, or at an Eric Berry type level, because it's no, you know, there's no question about it. He is electric when he's on the field and when he's playing. Even when he's on the field, and he's not playing well. Like it, against the Chargers, he played very well. But just that, just that surge of energy whenever he ran out of the tunnel, that is enough even to to you know kind of lift a team. But he doesn't even give you that very often, uh, even even suiting up. So you know, I'd like to see him at least play. Uh, you know, a few games before, you know, you agree or disagree with the decision, but it just doesn't seem right. It just doesn't sit right. I don't think that it's magically going to all turn around uh, for him, you know, health wise, but maybe it will. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair assessment. Uh, but, you know, Justin Houston is a guy who is getting cut and has been cut. And, you know, our our last episode together, obviously, again, you did a show by yourself uh, with a mock draft. So if you're into the draft, you can go listen to Grant. Uh, it's just titled Grant's Mock Draft, so you can hear what he thinks about the entire NFL, not just the Chiefs, but obviously, of course, the Chiefs as well. But Justin Houston is out of here. He's cut. And what did you think about that move? Did you like it? Did you dislike it? And it seems like they've picked either or Justin Houston or D Ford, but we'll talk about that in a second. So just, just in the isolated incident of Justin Houston, what did you think about cutting him? Uh, I, I, I think that it's telling that there wasn't a team that was willing to even just swap picks in order to acquire him. Uh, I think that pro and he hasn't been signed today. Uh, I'm not sure how big his market is. It's a, it's a good question. Um, there have been questions before of certain people saying, well, I don't know how hard he tries. I love Justin Houston, and I'm sad to see him go. That is for sure. Um, it's just right now I think that it makes sense because you got to get that cap space to add more talent to your defense. Um, and so that's it's strictly a business. Wait, 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 wait. Sorry to cut you off. Sorry to cut you off. Sorry to cut you off. Tyron Matthews is signing a three-year deal Worth four, worth forty two million dollars with the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, I like that. Breaking news live on the podcast. Adam Schefter tweeted that two seconds ago, uh, and we are talking about it live. Although whenever this gets posted, it obviously won't be live anymore. But real quick, we'll go back to Justice Houston. What did you think about this deal? Again, three years, forty two million dollars with the Kansas City Chiefs for Tyron Matthew. Wow, uh, that is that is exciting. He brings a fire to this offense. Uh, or this defense, excuse me. Uh, but he is, wow. Uh, well, with Andy Reid, maybe he will play offense as well. Yeah, you never know. Uh, he's just, uh, I am, that is very exciting. Um, I didn't I didn't actually expect them to make any kind of uh, deal on day one. Um, so, Honey Badger coming to Kansas City, uh, I'm thrilled. I'm absolutely thrilled. 
And real quick, we'll get back to Houston, but as you mentioned, the market doesn't seem to be there, and it's far less exciting than what this is. So real quick, we talked about the safety market resetting itself earlier. We alluded to the Landon Collins deal, which is six years, $84 million with the Washington Redskins. What do you think about this three-year deal worth $42 million with the Kansas City Chiefs, and how do you think that that affects the market, or uh, you know, how do you think that affects even just the Chiefs? Uh, I think it's it's great, honestly. I think that probably there's... Uh, there's pe- uh, players that want to come into Kansas City for less, and I think that the Chiefs actually got him at somewhat of a value, uh, especially for what he can do in a defense that uh, that uh, Spagnolo is running. He's he's a versatile safety. Uh, he's he's played some slot. Uh, he can move into different roles, and I I I got to be honest. He's he was in my top five guys that I would. I would like to see come to Kansas City. And so him coming to Kansas City is extremely exciting for me. Yeah, and I'm sure you can tell them both of our enthusiasm that it's very exciting. You stole the words right out of my mouth. This seems like a deal you know, that a player took because he wants to try to win a championship. Because I think there's a team out there who's willing to give him more than $42 million. And as everyone who's listening to this knows, this isn't basketball, this isn't baseball. That $42 million is not fully guaranteed. So it's actually a bit less than that if the Chiefs want to you know, work around uh, any sort of whatever restrictions are in the contract. We obviously don't know every single detail, but I doubt it's $42 fully guaranteed million dollar uh, in this contract. So again, as you mentioned, and, and as I was going to say, it seems like he took a discount to try to improve the culture in Kansas City and win a championship, you know, and be the focal point of that defense uh, alongside Eric Berry if he can play. But if not, you know, let's just think that Eric Berry has another season where he gets in the training camp, he has another setback, and he doesn't play. They have a new leader now who's going to be vocal and also going to be productive, and that's going to be huge for that defense because even in the first half of that Chargers game, just having someone back there who had that leadership and had that, you know, just that that coach on the field to get guys in the right spot, you saw that first half defense look incredible and then obviously fall off in the second half. But nonetheless, now they have two of those guys, and at least one of them is going to play. Yeah, uh, I I. I don't know. It's right now. It says fourteen million per year. Like you said, I don't know how much is guaranteed. That stuff's not completely out yet. Um, but on the surface, this is a very exciting move. If you're Kansas City, now they have a lot of money invested in safeties. It does beg the question: uh, Do they try to double dip in this free agency pool? Since there are so many uh, safeties, is there a chance that now that they got Honey Badger, they go back and tr- go back to the well, get another one, and then? Maybe we don't see Eric. Um, so, oh, you're speaking my language now. It is a, it is a, uh, it's exciting. It's an exciting time right as we speak. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, I, I can't imagine. Uh, I can't imagine that the Chiefs would bring in another safety, and you expect Eric Berry to be on the team. But, like I said, Clark Hunt loves Eric Berry. Peter King reported that it's likely Eric Berry comes back. But Honey Badger is now a Kansas City Chief, and that is something to be excited about. This is obviously a bombshell that's just dropped right in the middle of the show that kind of threw everything off. Uh, we'll, we'll obviously go way more in depth uh, probably this week if if things work out schedule-wise with me and Grant, just once we get the entire details of the contract. But again, the base of it, as we've mentioned a few times, is three years, $42 million dollars. 
and we'll see about the rest of the stuff now. Do you have anything else on Honey Badger besides the fact that you're overly excited that he is a Kansas City Chief? Uh, I'm going to have to go to the tape. I got to be honest. Uh, I'll be, I'll, I'll have an article out on Arrowhead Addict once I get everything watched that I need to watch, see what he can add to this team. But the thing that right offhand, it's the thing that I like is that he's a guy with attitude and that's what you need in today's NFL is somebody that, that is willing to, to, uh, play with some fire, bring some leadership, getting guys faces if they're not doing their job. And I think that he does exactly that. And I think this is a big step towards changing the culture of that Chiefs defense. Yeah, and I, and I can't wait to, to read your work on, you know, the, the film studies you do. Uh, and, you know, I'm interested if you, you know, want some advice uh, or not advice. That sounds like I'm highfalutin. But if you if you want something that I'm interested in uh, for you to look for is just how much of it is real, because. I remember reading many articles throughout the season about how he turned around that Texans defense and he was a leader. And like you said, he wasn't afraid to get in guys face and not in a Marcus Peters way where he'd pop off to the media or he'd pop off to even his own teammate or an opposing team. He would mix it up, you know, on the field and and get in there and hit people and and send a message that way uh, as well. And that could just be, you know, someone from the outside looking in who's, who's very excited about the possibilities, or that could be real. And, and, you know, once, once everyone calms down and, and you go to the tape and I, and I watch him play more now that he's a member of the Chiefs. Maybe that's real. Maybe that isn't. That's just something that you mentioned and I mentioned earlier that I'm interested to see how real that is, how how true that is, or if that's just his perception, the same way Marcus Peters is perceived as somebody who doesn't tackle and who's a loud mouth and not very good. Whether that's true or not is up to the tape, uh, but that's his perception around the league. So that's something I'm interested to, to read your work on and Real quick, you can plug your Twitter, which is going to be a direct way to, to talk to you about the article and to find the article, which I'm sure you're going to tweet out after you're finished. Yeah, so I'm at Grant TMN Tuttle on Twitter. You can find me there, and you can find my works there. Um, you can engage in angry or polite conversation, however you deem fit. So, yeah, I will definitely have some, some thoughts on, on Honey Badger coming to Kansas City soon. And it seems like we both listen to Joshua Briscoe frequently, and I'm of his mindset of, you know, I don't care if you're mad at me for my takes. I don't care if you agree with me, disagree with me. Just hit the follow button. (laughs) Just hit the follow button and and engage, and it will be all fine. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. And so... Now we kind of regroup and get back to Justin Houston. We've already almost gone half an hour, thanks to Adam Scheffner just putting an absolute bomb in our lap. But uh, real quick about Justin Houston, he's cut, and we both agree that his market isn't very big, right? And I think this ends in him signing in New England and getting a clutch sack on Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, uh, that seems like the way this would work. That's the tortured life of a Chiefs fan right there in a nutshell. Uh, I could see him going any number of places. Honestly, it depends. It depends on how much he's going to be worth. But like I said, when he doesn't, when they're not able to even swap picks when they're trading him, where like or like move on from him, like the Giants were able to move on from Olivier Vernon, it's interesting. Uh, I could see him going any number of places. Um, Oakland makes a lot of sense in my opinion, especially if John Gruden is thinking about moving up for Kyler Murray. Uh, if you, will this go? Will this go better or worse than their DJ experiment? 
Oh, I think this would go better than the DJ experiment because <laughs> at least at least Justin Houston has some in the tank still. I I love Derek Johnson. I love him so much, but I think it's time that he's a coach. He just he can't move sideline to sideline like he once did, and he relied a lot on his speed. He was a he was a once in a generation kind of linebacker, uh, but yeah, he's he's done. So um, yeah, I, I think that Justin Houston. To Oakland would make a lot of sense, especially if Gruden wants to dabble in the idea of bringing in Kyler Murray, so they don't have to bring in one of those top-notch pass rushers right away. He could wait till the next pick. So, uh, yeah, I, I I think that's that. Either the Patriots or the Raiders are two teams that I would keep an eye on. I think you hit it right on the head, and I just I still can't believe that you know Tyron Matthew is a is a chief and we replace one segment that we're going to talk about later on is are the chiefs in on honey badger and what would you pay him with what we already talked about that they are in and they did pay him and we already have our secondary for next year which was also a segment later on what would be our dream secondary hitting in the next year and uh, i had honey badger and barry you had barry and thomas and then of course the cornerbacks uh, you know fill in as they will but you know to to get go back to the chiefs before we quickly head into the rest and the afc west Mitch Morris is gone. He's signed with the Bills. He's going to team up with Antonio Brown. Oh, wait. Nope. Never mind. He's just going to be with the Bills by himself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the the Bills are signing into a four-year deal. The money I haven't heard yet. Um, but I'm going to just go ahead and assume that there was no way uh, that the Chiefs are going to be able to offer that kind of money and also build a defense. Um, I think that they're swapping out a couple of these guys for a move like Honey Badger. And these are the kind of moves that we expect uh, in this window, in this window of Super Bowl chances. I expect the Chiefs to go out and try to sign a couple big names. Um, Honey Badger makes a ton of sense. um, But Mitch Morse, I love Mitch Morse. He He was a great player for Kansas City. The money was just not there. Yeah, I... I just, you know, I, I don't think that, uh, you know, the, the money was there either. Uh, credit to Joshua Briscoe on the Antonio Brown joke with the Bills. But, um, yeah, I think that, you know, you summed it up pretty well. I think that, you know, the Chiefs are going to be in a good spot. It sucks to lose a guy like Mitch Morris, especially with how good he was, you know, for a long time in Kansas City. But I still feel comfortable with the Chiefs offensive line. And, you know, I think that they can even improve it a little bit throughout the draft process uh, as we move along this off season. Uh, also on the Honey Badger front, Patrick Mahomes just tweeted out a gift of a Honey Badger uh, on Twitter. And how good does it feel to have a quarterback like that or even a player like that in Kansas City that will that will do things like that? Because even if Alex Smith was still a quarterback and they made this move, there's no way he's tweeting out a Honey Badger gift or getting involved in social media the way Mahomes has. And that's been so awesome. It seems like every day there's a new video of Mahomes. Like today he was throwing the football around with Dirk Nowitzki at the Mavs training facility. I just things like that are just cool to see, especially from a fan's perspective to get kind of more access to them and, and, you know, be, you know, sort of closer to them a little bit, you know, as players and, and see the kind of human side of them, you know, they all play video games together and post about it on Twitter. And I think, I think Tyreek Hill even live streams on Twitch sometimes, or he used to, uh, but anyway, now that was just a side tangent. Mitch Morse news. I think that, you know, you covered everything that needs to be covered. There's not much to say about him. So moving on to D Ford, will he, first of all, he got tagged, obviously. Yeah. Will he sign that tag or do you think he'll hold out? Uh, he's made it 
clear in a couple in- interviews that he's happy with the tag. Uh, and he, okay. he, when they asked him, when they asked him before, uh, whether he would be happy, if, whether he would be satisfied with the franchise tag, he responded with, would you like to sign for um, $15 million for a year? And so, yeah, that kind of, yes. that kind of, uh, hints towards he'll be fine with that franchise tag. Now, the, the question that needs to be asked is how does he feel about the Chiefs, quote, shopping him? Now, I'm not sure that they ever were uh, seriously shopping him. Maybe they're trying to gauge interest for Justin Houston. I don't know. Maybe they are still shopping uh, D. Ford. Uh, there's a lot of smoke around that. Um, they said that, I, that the, the trade talks have uh, come down a little bit. So I question whether they were ever seriously interested in moving on from D. Ford. Um but, yeah, I think that's something to keep an eye on, especially if they're able to add more pieces to the defense. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll want to uh, add a pass rusher that's not D. Ford. Maybe he doesn't fit Spag's system the way that he would like. I don't know. Um, I would definitely not be in favor straight up getting rid of D. Ford, especially with Trey Flowers not, not being available anymore. So, again, something to keep yeah. an eye on. Yeah, I think that the trade rumors, especially once Justin Houston were uh, was cut or was rumored to be traded or cut, heated up for a second. You saw the Packers get involved and a few other teams, you know, rumored to be involved, and then they've they've cooled down and it's slow moving and and really not moving at all uh, right now. I think that you know your very first gut instinct, even whenever all this first broke, was it's not going to be both. And I think that you're right. I feel confident it'll be an either or situation, and they pick to keep D Ford in part with Justin Houston. Uh, so do you have anything else on, on the D Ford aspect of things? Uh, I think that they're going to want all that, all the talent they can, they can have on defense. And so uh, with the other pass rushers off the board um, free in free agency, at least the top end ones, um, I think that D Ford's probably got to stay. I, I would not like to see him go. So that's all I really have to say on that. And real quick, last one on the on the Twitter front. Uh, the people who always do this d- dig up old tweets. It's actually good this time. <laughs> Tyron Matthews tweeted on January 20th, getting money is cool, but I want a ring. And so our first instincts that you heard, our gut reaction you heard live on the podcast was, we think he took less money to try to win a ring in Kansas City. And his tweet from January says he cares about winning a ring more so than getting paid. So I think that we might be right. He might, he may have left a little bit on the table uh, to try to come to Kansas City and win a ring with the Chiefs and and with that great offense they have and kind of set the tone and try to make this defense at least serviceable. Because even if we get a serviceable level defense in Kansas City, that could breed a championship. Yeah, uh, I, I again, I would be interested to see how it's broken down because on the surface that is a lot of money still invested in your safeties, um, but. As far as Landon Collins went, this seems like a pretty good deal um, for a guy that for a guy that can make as many plays as Tyron Matthew. So um, yeah, I am I am elated with with that kind of that kind of rhetoric that he wants to come win a win a ring because I think that uh, the Chiefs right now are the Golden State Warriors of a couple years ago when they were when they were a hot destination uh, with Steph Curry and uh, those guys. So uh, I think that the chiefs are going to build that super team maybe for this year, maybe for next year, but um, I definitely expect it to happen at least for a short time. 
And I think we've covered all the Kansas City Chiefs news uh, for this moment. So we'll move on to the AFC West and then the rest. The Raiders got Antonio Brown and they traded a third and a fourth round pick uh, and they gave him $50 million upon arrival in Oakland. What does this deal mean to you? What did you think when you first saw it? It wasn't going to be Buffalo. It was going to be Oakland in the division. And my first thought was, thankfully, Justin Houston will no longer have to cover Antonio Brown because he's out of here. <laughs> yeah, so is Bob Sutton, so I don't. I doubt you'd have to do that anyway. But um, I, I think with with Brown, obviously he's a playmaker, but he's also kind of a head case. It's, it's a complex question. Uh, I think what's what is kind of humorous about the whole thing is that uh, the Raiders are reportedly out of money, not out of cap space, but out of money. Uh, they, they've uh, signed a couple free agents. They re-signed Antonio Brown. Uh, they have some cap space left over. That is not the issue, but they're trying to build a stadium in Las Vegas. Uh, so their owner has had to take out loans. Uh, so currently, as it stands, people are not sure that the Raiders can afford very much more, uh, especially on that Le'Veon Bell front. But I think that at first glance, Antonio Brown specifically brings a new element to an offense that had nothing. Um, But Derek Carr is not Ben Roethlisberger. He's not a guy that has been able to historically stretch the field the same way. So it'll be telling to see how Antonio Brown handles that um, and, and handles the rest of the offense not being able to put up the same production that I expect the Steelers put up for him. Um, but other than that, it's just another guy that the Chiefs have to be worried about playing twice a year. Um, but as the Raiders stand right now, I still think that they're probably going to finish third third or fourth in this this division. We'll see by the end of the uh by the by the end of the off season where I think they are, but um, I don't know how much Brown helps their case for the AFC West. Yeah, there's there's a lot more that they need to do than just grab a diva wide receiver, especially with John Gruden at the head coach position. I think that you hit it. I mean, they're still going to be the third team. I think that they do have the chance, though, depending on how they you know uh, play the rest of this off season in the draft. To be that team that happens every year, the dark horse Cinderella team, who's the sexy pick by the NFL media, who gets very hyped up by, again, the NFL media, and falls flat on their face. And that would be pretty funny to happen to the Raiders. But other than that, I think that you literally said everything about this move that needs to be said. Circling back to Mitch Morris, he's, he will get north of $11 million per season, which is more than what the Steelers gave Mike Pouncey. Yeah, that is, uh, I mean... Well-deserved, well-deserved. Mitch Morris hasn't given up, like, a sack in three years or something extremely crazy like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, that is that is definitely out of the Chiefs' price range if they want to build a defense. In 2018, he played in 11 games, gave up zero sacks, only five pressures, and five penalties. Yeah. So he's been extremely good. Uh, but, again, that, that like you said, it's pricey, and especially – whenever the Chiefs feel confident in Austin stepping up behind him at center. And again, having to allocate that, that to other positions to try to make a more well-rounded team, 
I think even Mahomes helps here because of his escapability and, and being able to move around and not just be a statue back there. You can get away with having a guy like Morse gone uh, and still have a very, very good offense and very good quarterback. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. So, um, yeah, I don't really have anything else to say on that. And so now moving into the rest, the Giants didn't use the tag on Lennon Collins, and he went to the division rival Washington Redskins for six years, $84 million. Really, with now that we have Honey Badger, it doesn't matter, but would you have been okay if the Kansas City Chiefs shelled out this money? My answer is absolutely not. That is a pretty large amount for a box safety. He's a guy... Uh, who has a lot of versatility. He's really good. I just, that is a lot of cash to invest in a safety when you already have a guy that, like Eric Berry, who is more or less the player that Landon Collins is, uh, maybe a little older, maybe not to the same effect, but when healthy, I mean, I can't imagine that you're getting that much more on your defense that would warrant you paying that kind of cash. That is I did not expect any safety to get paid that kind of money, and the reports are that Earl Thomas wants even more than that. Um, so, yeah, I think we're starting to see some inflated numbers after a season of uh, uh, d- down contract numbers uh, for safety. So that's good for the safety market. Yeah, and, you know, I didn't think that anyone would have sniffed this money either, but we are talking about the same organization who gave millions upon millions and millions, I believe a hundred million dollars to Albert Hainsworth. Yeah. So it's not exactly the, the best front office, the best ownership group or anything, you know, the best, anything really, uh, besides maybe the best at being mediocre, you know, you could say, they like but bringing in again, free agents. they really like bringing a big name free agents. So uh, who never pan out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. He received the $100 million, a hundred million dollar contract for seven years uh, back with the Washington Redskins and never played uh, up to even a million dollars worth of money uh, throughout his Washington career. Real quick. I think that this again points to maybe Josh Norman being moved, you know, being, being cut because they have to get this money from somewhere. And I'm not sure where else they're going to get it from. If they cut him post June 1st, that's Josh Norman, that is. They save $11.5 million while only taking on $3 million in dead money. I think a post-June first cut for Josh Norman might be likely. Again, that's a lot to have tied up in your secondary, especially for two guys who just aren't very good in coverage. I don't think Josh Norman is very good. I don't think he covers well. I think his best asset is being able to tackle as a cornerback and, you know, force fumbles, you know, with the, with the peanut punch, uh, uh, you know, strategy. I think that's his best option. And, and they're paying him a ton of money to not be able to cover number one wide receivers consistently. Yeah, uh, I would agree with that. We'll see um, exactly where the Redskins are planning on going. Uh, they, brought in Case Keenum this offseason, so they're obviously in a transitional period. I would be curious to see what they do with the, with their draft picks, whether they um, try to to make Case Keenum the Band-Aid for a new, income, or for a new um, starter at quarterback, or if they try to go to win now and think they can get it done with Case Keenum by adding some defensive back or defensive help to add with Landon Collins. Yeah, and there's rumors out there that they're shopping 
their two linebackers, that is uh, Mason Foster and Zach Brown, to try to bring in C.J. Mosley. So this organization is just atrocious, and we'll move on on that point. Kenny Vaccaro is off the board, which, again, is rendered meaningless now that the Chiefs have signed their safety. But Kenny Vaccaro got four years, $88 million from the Titans. I'll ask you the same question. Would you be? Would you have been okay with this contract if it was the Chiefs and not the Titans? Uh, I mean, honestly, I can justify any of these safety moves except for maybe spending as much as as they spent as uh, the Redskins spent on um, on Landon Collins um, and I I could even I could even make a make a case for Earl Thomas getting paid what he wants which is fifth or what is it 20 million over two years or uh, 15 million over two years because I think that he would pair very well with Eric Berry but I can't justify I really can't justify, uh, I can't justify Landon Collins, but any other safety, I think, can make sense at the right price. So, uh, I could definitely justify that one. Yeah, I wouldn't have been upset at this contract either. I would have been outraged at a Landon Collins type deal in Kansas City. He's a good player. He's not eighty-four million dollars good, but again, I mean, it's it's the Redskins. They kind of do this sort of thing. And maybe the Chiefs would have kind of protected themselves a bit more than the Redskins did with his, his ability to get out of out of deals like that. But nonetheless, moving on now, Deshaun Jackson has signed – not signed, excuse me. He, he demanded a trade and got traded to the Philadelphia Eagles, and they're going to rework a new deal in Philadelphia. I haven't seen that number just yet, but he's a guy we talked about in Episode 2 of possibly, you know, would you like him in Kansas City, would you not like him? Uh, and now we don't have that option anymore because he's in Philadelphia. Uh, what do you think that that move's going to mean? I think that really it's going to mean Nelson Aguilar is going to get cut. I think that that $9 million uh, price on him is going to be a little bit too steep uh, for this organization in Philadelphia. And maybe that opens the door for Kansas City for a former first overall pick who's a flyer, who's going to need a little bit of rebuilding, you know, not rebuilding, but a little bit more of a resurgence. He started his career off terribly, bounced back very well the last couple of years, but still hasn't quite played to that uh, that you know first round potential that he has. Uh, whenever the Eagles drafted him, and maybe getting him in Andy Reid's system and with Mahomes and not Carson Wentz or Nick Foles could do just that. Uh, I I I can see that. I could. I, I think that's a definite possibility that he is a cap casualty. But I think that maybe the I mean, you got to remember that Doug Peterson was was an Andy Reid disciple, and Andy Reid loves his versatile receivers. Uh, I think that maybe they're trying to um, just match with playmakers uh, uh, with the rest of their with their the rest of their division. Uh, that obviously they have to take down uh, the Rams to get through the conference, so they're going to try to match that offensive firepower. I could definitely see scenarios where they keep all of those guys on the roster and try to go forward with one of the best receiving cores in football. Um, now, would I like Nelson Aguilar to come to the Chiefs? Yes, please. Any receiver that we can get that can be that third guy is probably going to be better than Demarcus Robinson. I'm not a big Robinson guy. He's a solid fourth or fifth guy, but I, I, would, I would rather see him there than at three. Um, so... Yeah, I would like to see him, but I'm not sure that he's going to be on his way out of Philadelphia anytime soon. Yeah, as you mentioned, 
yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a for certain thing. You know, I don't think it's going to absolutely happen no matter what. They just can't afford it. But it's something to monitor because I think that that $9 million price tag might be a little bit steep depending on the rest of their moves they make this offseason. Uh, one move is that they lost Nick Foles, which was very much expected. They didn't tag him. And he signed a four-year, $88 million with the ja- uh, deal with the Jaguars. What are they thinking? That's idiotic to me. I mean, the, the the leap from Nick Foles, you know, from Blake Burles to Nick Foles is a good one. You're going to get a, an upgrade. It's not that much of an upgrade. We forget how all this happened. Nick Foles wasn't very good last year. They had to back their way into the playoffs, even in the games that he played after Carson Wentz got hurt, he wasn't very good. Even in the playoffs against the Bears, he wasn't very good. He let him on a very good drive at the end of the game, but outside of that one drive, he played pretty poor, and they got bailed out by a double-doink kick by the Bears to, to send them on to the next round of the playoffs. I think that we also haven't seen him perform well outside of Andy Reid's type of system. He was with Chip Kelly, then Andy Reid, then Doug Peterson, and of course his time in L.A. was just laughable but uh or yeah la uh was just laughable back then or they might still be in st louis i can't quite remember but nonetheless he hasn't performed that well even within the construct of a quarterback friendly system like doug peterson or andy reed and now you're giving him 88 million dollars yeah uh i've gotta say this is just a desperation move by the jaguars uh their head coach uh it's Doug Marone, right? Um, I, he's going to be – he's on the chopping block. You know, they know that they've given him a really great defense. Uh, he's desperate. He's desperate to get that offense in now. Um, Nick Foles has shown from time to time he can be a serviceable quarterback. Uh, he can win you some games. He reminds me a little bit of like a taller, stronger-armed Alex Smith that's a little bit less accurate. Um, uh, you're just trading a little bit of – that attribute for arm strength um and then i I think he'll win you some games but i don't think that i don't think he personally is going to win you the games i just don't think he's going to lose you the games um so obviously i think which is is what blake bortles could do He, he could become and he was whenever they went to the afc title game a very good quarterback or whenever they you know almost beat the the patriots he was a very good game manager which is really what you can only expect from Nick Foles. But, of course, everyone will point to the Super Bowl against Tom Brady where he played phenomenal. That's just the outlier, though. That's that's not who he is. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think that $88 million is very pricey for a quarterback of his capability. I think this is just simply a desperation move. Uh, they obviously released a bunch of guys um, uh, earlier this week trying to clear space for him. Uh this is a move where they are hoping that in the span of his contract that they can somehow, if they can, if obviously if they can win their division, they have a shot at the Super Bowl. Now, I don't personally believe that they'll ever have, they'll even sniff the Super Bowl for the next four years, but that is obviously the sentiment uh, behind bringing in former Super Bowl MVP uh, Nick Foles. Yeah, it's been it's been a wild ride so far uh, throughout free agency. And in the very first show, you mentioned how this is sometimes even more entertaining than the regular season, and we're kind of seeing that right now of just how each time you turn around, each time you open up Twitter, there's something new happening, uh, you know, day or night, and it's very very cool to be monitoring that and watching that and be talking to everyone about that on the Arrowhead Attic podcast. 
Grant, one more time for your Twitter handle. That way they can find not only the mock draft you did uh, uh, this weekend and also the article you're going to write about the Honey Badger being in Kansas City and, and breaking down that film. Uh, yeah, so you can find me at, at Grant TMN Tuttle. Uh, you can find our show at um, Addict underscore podcast. Um, and you can find Rylan at... Go ahead, Rylan. I can't remember yours. I follow you. That's all Rylan, <laughs> thank you. I, yeah, all I need is the follows. You can do whatever you want after that. Just follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. And, you know, as news keeps breaking, as these contracts that we've even talked about today become more detailed, uh, we might even be able to get another show out there this week. So be on the lookout for that just as the news comes to us. It's been fun and it's been very much enjoyable to talk to Grant for the last three episodes. And of course, his mock draft that he did uh, on his own, thankfully picking me up whenever I had, you know, conflicts with work and everything schedule wise. Uh, That was a very good episode. I encourage everyone to go listen to the mock draft. Uh, and of course follow both of us on Twitter and read everyone's work Grants and all of our other staff writers at arrowheadaddict.com as we are part of the fan-sided network this is the Arrowhead Addict Podcast for Grant Tuttle, I'm Roland Styles. be good and be good to one another Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.